0: Anyway, that's why the direction is coming up. I'm see you, too bad. for all. Heavenly Father, praise your holy name. Father, praise the seventh day of the week, through months thus far and this year thus far, every day of our lives, you have preserved us, kept us alive, and all of your mercy all of your grace. Thank you for this spiritual food that we are about to receive. We ask you, Lord, Heavenly Father, to help us to pay attention to this and to understand and to digest, absorb everything that takes to today, Father. That this, sermon would not be in vain for us, but for every one of us, help us. Increase in understanding and remembrance of what you want us to do, how we are to live, so that we may present ourselves as a acceptable sacrifice to you on the day of atonement and every day. Pray, Lord, your will prevails in this sermon, in these services, in our lives, and in this ministry. Ask you, Heavenly Father, to please energize me, wake me up and put your words in my mouth and into ears of your children, your servant and your bride, your church. Your will be done, Father. Use me now. Have your way. In Jesus' name. We're going to start in the book of Exodus 29, Exodus chapter 29. Title of the sermon today is God smells us. God smells us, as he does. He smells you, he smells me, he smells every person on this planet. What does that mean? God smells us. First of all, I praise the Lord and thank the Father in Jesus' name for confirming in different ways and powerfully. Firm. Confirming. Confirming. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this word. Confirming your word. Powerful way Exodus twenty nine, starting in verse eighteen, and you shall offer the whole realm on the altar. A whole burnt offering to Jesus for a sweet-smelling aroma. It is an offering of incense to Jesus. Verse 19, and you should take the second round, and Aaron his son shall lay their hand on the head of the ram. You should feel it, take of the blood of it, put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear, and on the thumb of his right hand and on the great toe, that's the big toe of his right foot, and on the tips of the right ears of his son, and on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the great toes of their right feet, all the different priests, not just Aaron, but Aaron's sons, that entire family was the priesthood of that day and time. Should take of the blood from the altar and of the anointing oil, lightly to underline the words and the anointing oil. Before I go any farther, I will also explain that I'm reading from the last paperback update of the ALB Alpha mega Bible reading from the latest, not the latest, but I mean, let me get the words right here. I'm I'm reading from the most recent released paperback edition, which was, I don't know what, two, three, six months ago, whenever it was, the last update, I guess it was six months or eight months ago. And so some of the words I read may have been changed in the Brand new update that will be coming out next week. Um, so, some words might be different. For example, I may have, I'm not saying if I did or did not, but I may have cut big toes here And the new update, I don't know. But you know what it's saying, whether it says great or big. There's only one great toe among all your toes. It's a specific toe, and that's a big toe. I just want you to know that some words that I'm saying might not match the PDF if you are reading from the PDF, okay? So there's an anointing oil and there is blood. And there is the sacrifice and the burning of incense. And you should sprinkle it upon Aaron and his garments, his clothes and on his son's, and his son's garments with him. And he shall be sanctified, and his apparel, both person and the clothes, sanctified by the use of the oil in the blood. Oil in the blood. Now a lot of stuff in the Old Covenant, these physical rituals, ceremonial rituals, are now done away with. They are done away because these things were foreshadowings that pointed to greater fulfillment. And that is the blood of Jesus with the Lamb of Theos. And the oil represents a soul of the part of God that died on the cross. He called the Holy Ghost. So this blood represents the blood of Jesus, and the oil represents the Holy Ghost, both which would have come forth on the cross. Blood came forth on the cross, and the Holy Ghost came forth on the cross. But there was also a measure of the Holy Ghost even before the crucifixion, I believe, then I believe it was before the crucifixion when Jesus said to the apostles, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And that is because there's only one Spirit. So the Holy Ghost has always existed. It did not begin at the cross, but it was empowered at the cross. The Holy Ghost was empowered at the cross by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there was a transition into that spirit at that time. Now it says, we're going to go down to verse, but we're just going to finish it right there these particular verses and talk a little bit more about it. Now we know that We no longer today have to do animal sacrifices. That is very clear in the New Testament. But these things were foreshadowings that point forward. important things, elements, that are important to us today. We should not ignore the foreshadowings, the scripture says, That all scripture is profitable for doctrine. That includes this. Now, this. This was talking about the priesthood of the Levitical Aaron priesthood. Now we know that the Levitical priesthood was done away with. And that now all of us are priests. We're not all pastors, apostles, or prophets, or preachers, but we all If we are the true followers of Jesus and true members of his congregation, we are all priests. Which means that we can accept the sacrifice of the blood and body of Christ, the Lamb of the for ourselves. Whereas under the old priesthood, you had to go to a high priest at the temple and have him to sacrifice an animal on your behalf. But because now Jesus is our high priest and we are all sons of Aaron, spiritually speaking, through the blood of Jesus, we are all now in the Levitical priesthood, you could say, Yes, the Levitical priesthood is done away, but that was a foreshadowing of a greater priesthood that we are members of. And therefore, today, we still apply the blood and the oil on our bodies and our clothes. We do, but not by killing a ram, but rather by claiming the blood of Jesus and using anointing oil to anoint ourselves to represent sanctification, cleansing. Sanctification means set apart. That we are set apart from the world, that we are called out from the world, and that we belong to the Lord and not to the world. So we do this, but we do not do it in the Old Covenant manner with physical blood of Kiana Animal. We do this spiritually speaking by claiming the blood of Jesus. And anointing ourselves with oil. So there is still some physical element to it, which helps us as physical human beings, but carnal minds, weak minds, to touch the spiritual realm by using a physical element. That's why we use the oil. Amen. Now, this was, let's go back to verse uh, 18. The burnt offering was sweet smelling aroma. That's very interesting. This sacrifice upon the altar had a good smell for God. And in this case, he would physically, literally smell the burnt offering. It was food being cooked on the altar for God. And, and some of these times the fire of God would come down out of heaven even and eat, consume this food. Sometimes it did not come out of heaven, but it was just it was just sometimes, most of the time probably, just humans setting the food on fire and it would be consumed physically by the fire. But there was times when the fire came down from heaven and consumed it as well. But this was good smelling, literally, to God. Remember that Old Covenant rituals had a very physical aspect to it. So it would be physically, literally a smell, a good smell. Because the people were obeying God. If the people had not done what they were instructed to do, then that presence of a good smell would not be there. You have to light the fire. Most of the time, you have to light the fire. Most of the time, you have to literally put the anointing oil on you. It's not just going to come down out of heaven. You have to do something. These people were doing something, and the result was a good smell to God. Even though this was physical speaking, it is also spiritually speaking because there was obedience, and the physical smell only existed because of the keeping of the commandments, so there was a spiritual element to it. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about continuing to anoint ourselves in our modern times, our current times, so we need to turn to the New Testament. To show that we still should be anointing ourselves. Turn to the book of James, chapter 5, which is after Hebrews. James 5. James 5, verse 14. Praise G. James 5, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick, then he must call for the elders of the congregation of called-out ones, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, which would be Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we do see that we are still instructed to apply oil. In this case, for healing. And it is also in the context of forgiveness because if we read the next verse, and the prayer offered in faith, believing and trusting, will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. So it's not just healing, but forgiveness of sins because the elders of the church anointed the man of oil and the people prayed in faith, in believing, in trusting the Lord, in the power of God. The oil represents the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is given at baptism. So you cannot just anoint with oil without baptism and expect this to work. So, you cannot just use oil and expect it to work if the person, if everybody involved has not been baptized, because the oil represents the Holy Ghost which you receive at baptism. Amen. So the forgiveness of sins is still connected With baptism, because none of this works unless everybody involved, the ministers and the lay members, are all baptized. I realize that the radio station, I believe, just reset the timer. So there may have been a gap of a minute or two or a few seconds. So I'm going to repeat a little bit of what I said just in case you dismiss that. Then in James 5, verse 14 and 15, we are still instructed to use anointing oil. In this this case, for forgiveness, I mean for healing. But the oil represents the Holy Ghost, which is given at baptism. And the forgiveness of sins, in verse 15, is what you receive at baptism. So the forgiveness of sins and the oil and the Holy Ghost can all only occur, only if everybody has been baptized, both the minister and I'm having to do some electronics here. So yes, we still anoint with oil. And it represents the Holy Ghost. There is forgiveness, there is healing, if we keep the commandments and do what we are instructed to do. Now let's turn to Matthew chapter um, uh, 25. Matthew twenty five verse one Matthew twenty five verse one. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins. Took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Right. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. Now we know that this 10 virgins represents the church. Everybody knows that, everybody agrees with that. There's not a debate about that. Talking about the church. Five were foolish, five were wise. But when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. the oil here would be olive oil, is what they used for their lamps in that day and time. So this is the same oil that we anoint with, but being used here in the symbolism of a lamp for light. Otherwise, the wives took oil in flask along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there was a shout. Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The fools said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, No, there would not be enough for us and you both, go instead to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purses, the bridegroom came. So the announcement in verse 6, the bridegroom bridegroom come out to meet him, is a pre-announcement before Jesus actually appears.
1: Verse 11,
0: later the other verses also came saying, Lord, Lord, will put up for us. I'm going to go back to verse 10. When they were going away to make the person, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, they would supper, and the door was shut. So, in other words, we have to have the oil already already gathered, already supplied before even the announcement, which occurs, before he actually does come. We need to prep early rather than after the event. Amen. We have to prep before the announcement that he has come or will be coming today, tonight. We have to prep early with preparing ourselves anointing oil and light to be able to see in the dark. Now this oil, even though it does represent the need to have the Holy Ghost before Jesus comes, it does also have that other second physical aspect of needing physical supplies for the Great Tribulation. It has two meanings. Many times, Prophecy has two meanings, and in this case, a physical and a spiritual aspect. You cannot buy the Holy Ghost with money. Therefore, it is also talking about physical supplies. But yet, we can buy the Holy Ghost, because... I think it's Isaiah that says, uh, Come and buy of me. And other scriptures, Come and buy of me. Talking about the Holy Ghost. So it's not with money, though, it's talking about, but rather energy, time, speaking, asking for. That word buy in is not always little, it's a symbolism for wanting to obtain something, but you've got to give to get. You do have to give to get. Even though salvation is a free gift, it's only a free gift if you have a coupon for the free gift. And that coupon is your prayers, your seeking. Ask and you shall receive. Repent and be baptized. You do have to do something to receive salvation. So you can say all you want, and you can quote the Bible and say, yes, salvation is a free gift by grace alone and not by works of men, lest any man boast. Yes, you can use those verses, but the truth is, you still have to pray and be baptized and repent. You do, you do have to have Do all these things. You do have to do all these things. Amen. So you do have to present yourself as a sacrifice to God. The book of Romans says that we should be a living sacrifice. Even though we no longer kill animals for sacrifice, we still must make a sacrifice to God. We still must crucify something, kill something, the old man must die. At baptism, we are crucified with Christ, but only if we do something physically. We have to physically get wet and physically go under that water. We have to repent of our sins. We have to confess our sins. We have to pray. We have to think. We have to accept the truth yes, we have to do a lot of things. And then he freely gives it to us even though we have lived a life full of sin. That's grace. That's mercy. We deserve death for everything that we have done. But he forgives us our sins if, if we repent and do all these things. Now, we need this Holy Ghost. We need this light. We need this energy that provides light. You cannot have light without the oil. We need the Holy Ghost. You cannot have eternal life without the Holy Ghost. You cannot have life without the oil. You have to have an energy supply. Remember the two witnesses, that they are connected to the lampstand of the seven lampstands with the oil and the oil flowing to the two trees or from the two trees, vice versa. The two witnesses have power only because of the Holy Ghost. We have power only because of the Holy Ghost. The oil is extremely important. The Holy Ghost is our power, our strength, our energy. Amen. Let's go to Romans 12, read that about our lives should be a living sacrifice, Romans 12 verse one. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of theos, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to theos which is your spiritual service of worship. Yes, we still have to do sacrifices. But now, instead of a physical animal, it is that we are putting our lives on the altar of God. We are surrendering to God, and we are... Crucifying ourselves, spiritually speaking, symbolically speaking, and if we ourselves were on the altar of God as a sacrifice, would that not be sweet smelling to God? Yes, it would be. If the ram smelled good to God on the altar, then how much more? Good smelling would be we, ourselves, on the altar of God. Much more is we smelling, amen? Let's go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, chapter 2, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14 through 17. Verse 14 through 17. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. But thanks be to theos who has, who always leads us in triumph, victory, in Christ, and manifests to us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. The knowledge of God, is also a sweet aroma. Amen. Amen. So we, when we sacrifice ourselves, that is a sweet aroma to God. But us knowing God is also sweet smelling to us and to Him. To Him and to us both, it is sweet smelling, good smelling to know God. Know God. Amen. Hey, John, I mean, uh, Jesus also said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And it says that if you say that you know me, if you know me, and keep not my commandments, you're So knowing God is connected with the commandments. Do not know God without obeying Him. So to know Him being a sweet smell would also have a connection with obeying God. Because you cannot know Him, you cannot have that sweet smell unless you obey Him. Verse 15. But we are a fragrance Of Christ to theos, among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. Meaning, among everybody in the world, both lost and saved, we are the called out one, and we are sweet smelling to God if we know Him. To the one, a aroma from death to death. That means spiritual death to eternal death. Those who are spiritually dead already and remain spiritually dead will eventually die the second death and be dead forever death to death from spiritual death to physical eternal death among one group of people upon the earth but to the other a aroma from life to life meaning from spiritual life to eternal life either way there is a smell present there is a aroma. Present. Whether we live or we die, whether we are spiritually alive or spiritually dead, God smells us. God smells you, whether you are alive or dead, whether you're spiritually alive or physically dead, there is a smell to you. And who is advocate advocate for these things? we are not like many peddling, selling the word of Theos, but as from sincerity, but as from Theos. We speak in Christ in the sight of Theos. In other words, Paul is saying, we're not like the television evangelists who are selling the false gospel, but rather we are true and sincere Christ is our witness, basically, what Paul is saying. I was amazed yesterday when I was working on the translation at how many times in the Old Testament it talks about the offerings on the altar being sweet-smelling. I was very amazed. I did not do an exact count, but I would guess at least 32 times or more throughout the Old Testament describing the sweet smell to God of the offerings on the altar. Therefore, the smell is important to God if it occurs that many times in Scripture. That's Old Testament alone, and that's only talking about physical sacrifices that were done away with, at least 32 times my guess. So the smell of sacrifice is important to God. It's one of the five senses, your smell. sight, and hearing, taste and touch. Smell, the five senses, that is, is, is important. All five senses are important to any living being, including God. And he smells whether we are living clean or filthy. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2. Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2. This is page 194 in my copy. Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore, the imitators of Theos as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you. He gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to Theos as a fragrant aroma. So there it says that Christ, his crucifixion, was a good smelling to the Father. Christ was a sacrifice. He was the Lamb of Theos. And that smelled good. And that cross was a altar. A holy altar. Do not be deceived. Christ did not die on a pagan altar. And no person can get get saved on a pagan altar And Christ would not sacrifice himself on a demonic altar. The cross is not pagan. There is a pagan version of the cross that many different Catholics and Orthodox people use pagan version of crosses. But the cross that Jesus died on, which was a cross and not just a stake, was not a pagan symbol. There was not because Christ was holy and he would not offer himself on a on the altar of Satan. Christ would not offer offer himself on the altar of Satan. So stop falling for all the lies on the internet that the cross is pagan. There is a pagan cross, but not ever cross. Now his sacrifice smelt good to the Father. Amen. Let's go to Philippians four. That's page one ninety eight, my copy, one ninety eight. Philippians 4, verse 15 to 19. Philippians 4, verse 15 to 19. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no congregation of called out ones shared with me in the manner of giving and receiving, but you alone. In other words, Paul is saying that among his evangelistic travels, a lot of people did not help him financially even though the Bible requires people to help the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. They did not help Paul very much. But somebody did, the Philippians did, the congregation at Philippi, Philippi, whatever the name of the town is, they did help Paul with tithes and offerings, as they should have. For even in Thessalonia you sent a gift more than once, more than once for my need. I understand I see there that the word gift needs fixed, and I already have that marked down to fix the font there. But they sent money to him even while he was in his other town seventeen. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. In other words, their obedience to tithing was more important than the tithe itself. Even though it did help him, physically speaking, it also helped the kingdom, spiritually speaking. And what Paul saw was the good for anybody and everybody. And he appreciates their obedience more than the physical money, even though it was very much needed. But I received everything in full and have abundance. I am amply supplied fully supplied or sufficiently supplied, having received from this person what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, a acceptable sacrifice, well pleasing to theos. Guess what? Paul calls your tithes a sacrifice that smells good to God. Amen. When we give tithes to God, his ministry, helping the poor, however we give tithes to God, it is a sacrifice of our financial resources, and it smells good to God. So we smell to God when we are crucifying ourselves, and Jesus smells good to God when he crucified himself. But also our tithes are no good to God. It is a sacrifice. Amen. It, it is a sacrifice to give up money and to send money to somebody. Especially if you're not getting a book or a CD or something in return. It is truly a sacrifice. Not only are tithes, but I'm going to show you that your prayers also tell good to God. Revelation 8, let's turn there. Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. Revelation 8, verse 1, before I read this, am I talking about the, our prayers and tithes and living sacrifice? Do these things actually, literally, physically smell good to God? perhaps not, but what is most important is that they symbolize that it pleases God. That is what is most important. It is not most important about whether or not he physically smells our good deeds. That is beside the point. That is a lesser importance. What is most important is that it is a symbol. His smelling our good deeds is spiritually pleasing to God. That is the primary point and meaning of this symbolism of a good smell. It is pleasing to God. However, there may also be a physical aspect to this as well. Revelation 8, verse 1. When the Lamb, Jesus, broke the seventh seal, which will happen on the day of trumpets, the feast of trumpets, one year before Jesus brings his bride up into heaven. There was silence in heaven for a half an hour, literally speaking. And I saw the seven angels to stand before the Theos, and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer. And much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar which was before the throne and the smoke of the incense, and the prayers of the saints went up before the pios out of the angel's hand. So here we see that our prayers are being offered on a burning altar to God as a sacrifice. Now, even though it does not say anything about a smell here, I don't think, it does talk about there is incense. And incense is all about smell. Incense is not about just making the air smoky. Whoever burns incense, whoever says to themselves, I, I want some smoke in the air, I think i will light like some incense. Who says that? No one. Incense is all about the smell. That's all it is entirely, entirely about the smell. Amen. Some people do like incense while they are praying to help them reach the Father in the spiritual realm. I do believe there is some truth to that. I do do not believe that's entirely witchcraft. You can look at any group of humans and find some truth, any group, any group, the Catholics, the Jehovah Witnesses, lost people, saved people, even Satanists and witches, even among the worst people on the earth, you can find something. That is good and acceptable. I mean, that's the truth. You can like it or not like it. You can hate me, whatever, but it's the truth. You can find something good about any person. Just because the witches do it or the Catholics do it doesn't mean it's always bad or wrong. There was incense in the temple of God. There was incense in there still is. Incense in the temple of God. Amen. It is not a sin to burn incense while you do your prayers. not a sin to light candles while you do your prayers. Now, in the temple of God, our prayers are going to be, and perhaps already are, mixed with the good-smelling incense. Amen. This is talking about our prayers, coming up with a smell to God, our prayers. Now, this looks very physically speaking here. But John is seeing a prophetic vision of the future. So it could be entirely symbolic, but I do not think so. I believe that there is a physical aspect to this, and I believe that it is truly, literally, physically what will happen, and not just symbolic. That is my belief. I could be wrong. So I believe our prayers do have a physical smell to God. We must understand that God is not a six foot flesh and blood, man. He is spirit. And our prayers are spiritual energy. You can call me a new age cult, all you want to. But our prayers do have spiritual energy. And our brains and our hearts and our bodies and our souls, they do run on electrical energy. So does the earth. And God is an energy. God is spirit. So if He is spirit, and our prayers also are spiritual, then spirit can meet spirit. For so the carnal mind is carnal and cannot understand the spiritual things of God. But the natural man knows the things of the flesh, but the spirit knows the things of the spirit. A physical man can smell physical things. A spiritual being can smell spiritual things. The physical man can smell physical things, because the physical man knows the things of the flesh. But the spiritual being knows and smells and sees what is in the spiritual, invisible realm. I believe that he can physically smell our ties and our prayers. What is most important is that these things are pleasing to God. Amen. Now, I won't read it right now, but you can put it in your notes, and it will be in the sermon notes tomorrow. Ezekiel 20. I won't turn there right now, but you can write it down. It will be in the sermon notes tomorrow. Ezekiel 20, verse 30 through 42. Verse 30 through 42. And when you read that, it's talking about the second resurrection and the hundred years during that time after the second resurrection and the new converts that will get saved in that second life. The new converts of Israel will be a good smell to God. So that's the same as you and I right here, right now, in this life. If we are crucified in Christ Jesus, we are a good aroma to God. So the same is true in this life and in old covenant times and in the future life. So that's only another example of another time frame, we in the same will still be true. Regardless of when we get saved or what life we get saved, it is pleasing to God. Now, so far we have been talking about good smell, but now we're going to talk about bad smell. It makes sense that if God can smell the good things, He can also smell the bad things, physically and spiritually, literally and symbolic. Let's now turn to Isaiah 65 in the Book of Prophets, Isaiah 65. First seven verses verse one through seven. Isaiah sixty five verse one through seven. This is page forty three in my copy. It might be a page or two different in your copy. Isaiah sixty five verse one. I became manifest to them the acts not for me. I was found of them that saw me not. I said, Behold, I am here to a nation who called not on my name. What this means is is that God has made himself available to both the Jew and the Gentile, or both the Israelite, I should say, and the Gentile. Some nations, some people, some races, some tribes did not seek God, but they still found him for whatever reason, for different reasons, such as our evangelism. You might reach somebody that's not really even seeking God, but your seed of evangelism might reach that person and still might convert that person. I have stretched forth My hands all day to a disobedient and gainsaying people,
1: to them that
0: walked in a way that was not good, but after their sin. This is the people that provoke me continually in my presence. They offer sacrifices and gardens and burn incense on bricks to devils, which exist not. Now, gardens, you can think of a lot of Catholic and Lutheran churches have a special area where they have their statues out in a garden. That has a origin, and the origin is, back in Old Testament days, that the Moslems and other groups, pagan groups, would have larger, more elaborate gardens where they had statues, the same as the Catholic Church has today, that back then they would do sacrifices, and those guardians, not to God, but to false gods and statues, and actually having sacrifices to those statues and to their imagination. Mythology. Now, anytime you burn a sacrifice, there's going to be a smell, you're going to have smoke. Now you know that the good sacrifices and the good incense had a good smell. It only makes sense that a strange fire, which the Bible sometimes say says strange fire, a strange fire, a fire that is not pleasing to God, that is to demons or imaginations. Those things would not have a good smell to God, but rather a foul or bad smell. Common sense. You don't have to have the Bible spell everything out to you. Use your intelligence. Amen. Verse 4. They lie down to sleep in the tombs and in the caves for the sake of dreams. In other words, seeking divine dreams from demons or imaginations, either way. Even they that eat swine's flesh and the broth of their sacrifices, all their vessels are defiled. Footnote says, Hebrew roots groups claim that this verse proves that we should still not eat pork in New Testament times. Yet the truth is that what is occurring in Isaiah 65 and 66 are pagan sacrifices. When it's talking about the of this lion's flesh. It's not just talking about just somebody eating breakfast. No, that's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about dreaming and sacrificing and eating for the purpose of demonic worship. This is not regular dream regular laying down to sleep, or acceptable sacrifice, or just breakfast. So we cannot use this verse to say that we cannot eat pork. The context is not breakfast. The context is pagan, demonic worship. Even the eating is in that context. It could say chicken here. It could say beef. It don't matter what they were eating. They were eating it for the purpose of false worship. Verse 5, these evil people say, they say, depart from me. Go not near to me because I am here. Now, these are evil people, but these evil people are saying that they are holy. They are saying that they are pure and therefore don't touch me because I'm holy and I'm pure and you're sinful. They think that they're doing right. They think they are holy, but they are not holy. There's a lot of people on this earth today. They claim to be saved, claim to be holy, claim to be pure. And yet, they go to the witch and have their palms read and the tarot cards and all that witchcraft and crystal ball junk. And they think that they're talking to God and. Having a higher degree of enlightenment. But the truth is that they are demonic. And it says here, This is the smoke of my wrath, my anger. A fire burns with it continually. Now, here, the smoke and the fire is no longer talking about what is on the physical altar. Of these evil people but now it is talking about the spiritual symbolism of God's anger he is a fire and a smoke the smoke of his anger this is symbolism here the smoke of his anger and a fire burns with it continually is talking about that God is angry for a long, long, long time, continually, because of these people's sins. The whole is written before me, I will not be silent until I have repaid into their bosom, their sins and the sins of their fathers, who have burnt incense on the mountains and reproached me, shamed me on the hills. I will recompense, repay their words into their bosom. Amen. These things have a bad smell to God, both physically and spiritually speaking. Now, these people, it does not give a very specific about. What group it's talking about, and what religion, what denomination, exactly which gods they were worshiping, it does not give any names, but we can apply it toward any false worship, any false god regardless of their name. We can apply the same spiritual truth, same spiritual point principle toward any false god and any Sacrifice of any kind to a false god or a pagan god. That would include Christmas and Easter and Halloween. Think about how Christmas and Easter and Halloween have a lot of smell. The Christmas tree, the evergreen cedar tree, has a very strong smell to it. All the candy, the cakes, the pies, the turkey, the ham, the sweet potatoes, the pot roast, whatever. All the food and candy and desserts and the milk and cookies that the children leave out for a offering to Santa Claus. All these things have a smell that are detestable to God because the milk and cookies left left up for Santa Claus is a offering, a sacrifice of food to devils. That don't exist, Santa Claus does not exist. But there is a real demon behind that imagination. So even though, even here in Isaiah 65, it says that these demons don't even exist. But why is God angry then if these demons do not exist? Because there is a real demon behind all of this. Amen. God does not get angry for no reason at all. There are real demons behind the imaginations of Santa Claus. And there are real demons behind the lies of Christmas and Easter and Halloween. All of these things have a bad smell to God. Let's continue in this volume of prophets, book of prophets, and go to the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2. This is page 163 in my copy. It might be a page of two different letters. Joel 2, verse 20. Joel 2, verse 20. Is uh, the book after Hosea is right before Amos. Joel two verse twenty. I will chase away from you, the northern adversary. Now this might be talking about the president of Russia. Or Syria. Here's the one. Both of them are called northern adversaries in the Bible. Whichever it's talking about, he would chase them away eventually at the end of the tribulation. And I will drive him away into a dry land, which could be spiritually speaking or symbolism for famine. And I will seek his face in the former sea, sea. and his back parts in the latter sea, and his stench, his bad smell, shall come up, and his stink come up, because he has worked great things. Now, that word great here should be translated as major. You can change that to the word major. Because we think of great as being wonderful, but all it really means is big. Great as in big, huge, major things, not good things. So major would help us understand better what it's saying. So the, the defeat of our enemy will cause a bad smell because of dead people. Now Assad would be thrown in the Lake of fog And that may also have a smell. It may. Thank you, Father. And the death of the Russian president, who would definitely have a smell. And even though there is a physical bad smell wouldn't it be a good thing and even have a spiritual good smell be pleasing to God even if it has a bad smell in this particular case such as if you burn that Christmas tree (laughs) What would normally be a bad smell would all of a sudden turn good, wouldn't it not? And Jesus just showed me something, and I don't know what it says. So let's see what it says in the previous page over here, in the last few verses of uh, the previous book of the Bible. In the last chapter of the previous book, That would be Hosea 14. Hosea 14. Starting in verse 5 to where we can get a little bit of a context here. I don't know what it says. Hosea 14, verse 5. I will restore their dwellings. So this is a blessing of good people. I will restore their dwellings, and I will love them truly. For well, he has turned away my anger from him, my wrath from him. And I will be as a dew, water provision in the morning to Israel. He shall bloom as a lily and cast forth his root as a librarian. His branches shall spread and he shall be as a fruitful olive. Remember the olive oil. And his smell should be as the smell of of albanus. I think that might be a flyer. I don't know, it don't matter what it is. It's just a good smell, it doesn't matter what it is. I wish people would stop getting so obsessed with having to understand every little tiny letter. It don't matter whether this is a flyer or a person or a town, it don't matter. Don't get caught up in the ABCs and waste time and energy In researching stuff that don't matter, that don't have no importance to it. Stop following the letter and go with the point. The the spiritual point here is that there is a good smell. And what it's saying is if we are repenting, if we have repented, God will bless us and cause our roots to grow and he will bless us and we we will be a good smell like olive oil. There's also a good smell to him. That is what this is saying. And it says in verse 8, they shall return and dwell under his shadow, God's shadow, and they shall live and be satisfied with grain. Talking about, while we are alive in this life or the, or the second life, that God will give us food and supply, And he, the man who has repented, shall fly like a vine. We shall blossom. His memorial, uh, the memory of the righteous man is what it's saying. His memorial shall be to the tribe of Ephraim as the wine of either that town or that flyer makes no difference. What has he to do with any more with idols? He doesn't have anything to do with idols anymore. He has repented. I have afflicted him. I chastised him, and I was tempted. But I am as a leafy Jupiter tree. From me is your fruit found. From me is your fruit found. So he is the tree of life is the point here, this the teaching, the point, the principle, is that God says that he is the tree of life. That is what he is trying to teach. And from the tree of life is good fruit. So, I thank you, Father, for showing us that additional verse. Remember that in John 15, In other places, the book of Romans as well. It says that we are part of the tree of Jesus Christ. He is the tree and we are the branch. So we would get our energy, our oil, and our smell from God if we are grafted into, become part of that tree of life, and we should have that big smell. Amen. Let's go to one more place. Go to Revelation Eighteen. Revelation Eighteen. This is our final verse. Revelation Eighteen, verse four. verse 4 through 6. Revelation 18, verse 4 through 6. Talking about the very day Jesus comes back to the earth with us, with the saints. I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, out of false religion, so that you would not participate in her sins receiving her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and the theos has remembered her iniquity. Now use the symbolism it does about the sins being piled up as high as heaven. So you can see the symbolism in your mind as being a trash pile, a trash heap, that goes all the way up into the sky, up into the heavens. This is how high, how much degree, sins of false religion exists. Not only false religion, but also the physical city of Babylon, her sins, are this to this great degree? Now, if trash, which is our sands, our trash, in this is symbolism of being piled up in a tall mountain, if you could imagine a, a, a mountain of trash that high, would it not stink? Yes, it would stink. It does not say anything here, I don't think, about smell. But again, use wisdom, use intelligence, use your head, use the brain that God has given. It is powered up. It's going to have a bad smell, these sins, of false religion. It's going to have a bad smell. We need to make for sure that we have left false religion. Come out of her, my people. And we need to make for sure we come out all the way because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And even a small bad scent is still a bad scent. To God, I believe God can smell very easily our sins, even the little leaven, that he can smell it, know all the ingredients, because God knows everything. As we prepare for Passover, which is coming very soon, and all of you need to get ready for Passover, spiritually and physically, Because this might be a Passover like never before. We need to be examining ourselves about what kind of bad smell do we still have that we have not yet gotten rid of. We need to cleanse ourselves. The Bible says that he is coming back for a bride without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. A bride who has cleansed herself, the Bible says. We need to clean our own clothes. Spiritually speaking, we need to clean ourselves up for the Lord and present ourselves as a good sacrifice, holy, sanctified unto God, a sweet smelling aroma unto the Lord, a a acceptable sacrifice. Not just a sacrifice, but an acceptable sacrifice we must become unto God. It's not good enough to just think that you are saved. We must become a sweet-smelling aroma unto the Lord. An acceptable sacrifice unto the Lord. Our spiritual garments must become white, pressed, clean, without spot, without wrinkles, without blemish. Remember the parable that the person that enters or tries to come to the marriage supper without proper wedding clothes is cast out. You do not go to a wedding wearing shorts or flip-flops. You do not go to a funeral wearing shorts or flip-flops. Even though I have seen people who exhibited such disrespect. But such disrespect is a bad smell to those families, to those people at the weddings and funerals. May have bad smell to those people and a bad smell to God. We should have proper attire, physically speaking, at weddings and funerals. And when you come to church in a physical setting in person, you should dress up for church. Because it is a formal occasion. Going to church is a formal occasion. You don't just wear a dirty t-shirt or a tank top or shorts when you go to church. Dress up to meet the king when you come to church. You're coming into a greater presence of God when you come to church. For those of you that will eventually. Come to be in part of a physical congregation. That that might happen someday. Now, of course, in the Great Tribulation, you would not have a washing machine and a, a drying machine. And God understands our limitations, especially in times of war and distress and distress and tribulation. But nevertheless, you can remember the spiritual principle of present yourselves as a clean and good-smelling, acceptable sacrifice on the Holy Day, on the Day of Atonement, at the Marriage Supper, and on the Seventh Day, and on the Feast Day, the days that they did do the sacrifices. Present yourself acceptable unto the Lord in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And most important, be ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb of Faith. Buy your oil now, obtain all the Holy Ghost you can get. Beg for it, beg for it. I sent a notification recently that those that want to enter into the kingdom in the first resurrection, that time is so short that you have got to seize it, seize it, reach out and take it by force. It would be extremely difficult to enter into the first resurrection if you have only entered into the truth in the recent weeks or months or even recent years. It would be extremely difficult to enter into the first resurrection in short time because there's a lot to learn and a lot to repent of and a lot of bad-smelling sin that we must get rid of, the pride, the vanity. False doctrines, the false ways of thinking, and all of the levity of our heart, mind, souls—false doctrines must come all the way out of Babylon. You got to work at it and become responsible, mature adults, not children. Responsible and mature—you have to work at it. You have to do things. You've got to do better. And what you're doing. Be a man. Man up. Be responsible. Mature. Take charge of yourself, of your mind, of your heart, of your soul, of your flesh. In every manner of life, become mature and responsible and complete in Jesus Christ. We have a short time left. People need to step up, increase where they need to be in the Lord. And I am surprised at how lightly many people are taking our final two months. Come on, people. I am shocked at how lightly people are taking our final two months. People are treating this like we still have another year, two years, ten years. I think this is true. Our final two months before the invasion. And Most people need to start taking this much, much, much more serious. We see all the signs. We see all the confirmations. We see all the proof that we need. How much more proof do we need? How much more? How much more proof do you need? Time to step up. Get serious. And do whatever it takes ease the kingdom by force. Don't ask permission. Do it. Amen. You don't need your parents' permission for baptism. And you don't need mommy and daddy's permission for this and that. Amen. Amen. Do whatever it takes to get into the center of God's will and prepare for war prepare for war. what are you going to eat how are you going to cook how are you going to see have you got your lamp oil Your candles, your flashlights ready. Get ready for the great tribulation, the dark time that is about to hit this earth. It is coming. It is coming. A man in Israel was emailing me recently back and forth, and I told him about the invasion. But instead of talking about the invasion and asking questions about what he must do to get ready, he just wanted to focus about physical, fleshly things that were very important to him, more important than staying alive, more important than survival, more important than food and drink and how to stay warm and how to live, wasting his time on less important physical things, and they really did not hear at all anything about the invasion because you know what? He does not believe, and that's what it's really about. People don't believe that time is short, even though they say it. Even though they say, yes, time is short. Just because you say something don't mean you believe it. People say they believe in God, but they don't. And they say time is short, but they don't really believe it, because if they really believe it, they'd be packing. They'd be selling their stuff. They'd be doing whatever they need to do. There would be action behind their words if they really believed it. Amen. One last thing before I talk about the Alpha and Omega Bible update is I believe it was last week that I said we cannot always smell ourselves within the recent weeks. I said we cannot always see ourselves, cannot always smell ourselves. But other people can smell us better than we can smell ourselves. So that connects again with this week's sermon. Amen. And that song that God cut in my heart and mind the other day, how sweet it is. Trust in Jesus. How sweet it is. We may think as sweet as being sweet tasting how sweet it is. But it is also sweet smelling. Trust in Jesus. But do not put a false trust in Jesus that somehow God is going to provide for you and protect you and provide all the food and drink and safety and protection and supply for the great tribulation if you have done nothing to prepare. God expects us to bring one loaf of bread, one loaf of fish, one supply of fish, or five fish, or five loaves, or whatever it is. God expects us to bring something to the table, and then He will bless that. He expects a tithe, a 10%, a small measure, and then He will increase it and bless it. There's even the example in the old testament where somebody had a little bit of oil, a little bit of oil, increasing strength, praise the Lord. A little bit of oil there. And God blessed it. Elijah it. Elijah the Elijah Elijah. Elijah that filled a little oil became a lot. Huh? Elijah. Now, I'm gonna anoint our lives here. God is great. Jesus is great. In the name of Jesus. Anoint you for health, yeah. Fire, heaven, and within, inner strength, power of Jesus, with the power of life, virtue of life. Lord Jesus, I pray the blood, I plead the blood over your mind, your heart, your body, your back, all your bones, your muscles, part of your body. I pray the blood, I pray the life. Holy Ghost of Jesus. The crucifixion and the resurrection of our resurrection. within the the resurrection and the power of the kingdom is for God dwells within. Jesus is the same. From on high and within. Belly and within. Of and Jesus. of Jesus. The Jesus is Cast out that pain in the name of Jesus I come against the pain and the cause of the pain in the name of Jesus I'm the power of Jesus in the name of Jesus oh the name of Jesus the power of the power of the blood power of the blood. power of the name of Jesus praise the Lord people we need to be anointing ourselves on a regular basis, this some oil. If you don't have no oil? Use water. Anoint yourself on a regular basis for healing, for strength, for, fire, for spiritual knowledge, for discernment, for wisdom, for whatever you need. Anoint yourself, since I know that we don't have other preachers and other pastors, do the work. You yourself are a priest. Anoint your own right ear and your right big toe and your right thumb. Anoint yourself. You are priests of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. I am still working on the Alpha and Omega Bible, and I've got the New Testament and the Book of Law, uh, all sent to the printers. and now I've I still got to do uh, history and wisdom and prophet. Uh pray for me, my energy and my strength from the Lord to finish all of this, I hope to get all of this and everything that needs to be done with the Alpha and Beta Bible. Hopefully no later than the next time uh, next week. That it would all be done, finished, and completed for the latest update. And hopefully uh, a day or two after that or three days after that, hopefully uh, the Bibles can be ordered. Please pray for this. Brittany and I both. Are, are in so much need of uh, help and prayers. Man. We have really got to press the devil and his really, really, really increased spiritual warfare. Really increased spiritual warfare. But at the same time, God is moving and blessing and providing for his people. God is preparing his God is performing miracles. Miracles that I cannot even share with you because they are so great, so wonderful, so important that I cannot even share with you yet but shall be made manifest to some of you soon god is moving and preparing for the future for a soon event god is getting ready and i hope that you too are getting ready and walk in agreement with you. Walk in agreement with him. He will open the doors. Look for the whooping door and walk in it. Some of you must knock, though. Some of you might need to grab the door and open it. But he's knocking. He that opened the door, they're coming in and sucked with him. And God does not always open the door sometimes. He only is waiting for you to open the door. I'm amazed. All the time everybody's like, i got to pray about this. 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 I'm like, just do it. Come on now. I-, I see it is God's will. I see it is God's will. Why do you have to pray about it? Come on. Look at it. See that it is God's will and do it. People are such children. i got to pray about everything before I do it. If it's God's will, do it. People still want God to push them around on a tricycle for training wheels. You see it's God's will? Do it. Amen? I love you. God loves you. God bless. And listen to the radio station for breaking news, Simon Shorter. Jesus, is great. All of this in Jesus' holy name. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you for this message. Your word will not return to void nor vain, but shall accomplish the purpose which forfeit has been sent, to energizing and provoking your people to good works and to worship ourselves and washing her clothes, and preparing herself to have sweet perfume for the bride to impress the bridegroom, that the bride will now prepare herself as a bride adored for her husband, and sweet smelling and fresh garments. It shall occur, and we shall be ready and meet you at that time, even now, for from within, it is even now. In Jesus' name so be it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus.